Hello and welcome to another episode of Oconus, the contractor's life and unscripted free flow, no axe to grind podcast that explores the often murky world of the overseas private security contracting world and the contracting world as a whole. From Washington State, folks, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. My guest for this episode is Robert O'Dowd. He spent 24 years in the British Army attained the uh, lofty rank of Warrant Officer Class 1. Since that time, he spent nearly two years in Baghdad and Iraq and Iraq in a management position. He's held multiple management positions since then and in various locations. He's currently on contract in Iraq as camp manager. He and I are talking via Skype. That said, Robert O'Dowd, my friend, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Scott. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm so glad to have you know... <laughs> You and I have uh, kept in touch, done a pretty good job keeping in touch over the years. And I think you and I met, um, what was that, 2011 or 2010 back there in Baghdad? Yeah, back in Fob Shield. Uh, I think we were both working for Torres then. I had just moved from Sabre. Yep, uh, yeah. Who were Torres' partner. Uh, and then when they had a, a bit of a difference, then I stayed with Torres. Yeah. You become Americanized. It became Americanized, did you? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for the folks that are listening, um, can you bring them up to speed um, in fairly short order um, who you are, what you did, um, and, and maybe expound on a few things that I mentioned, uh, what it was that you did, and what led to you becoming a contractor? Uh, when I left the, the, the Army... I left the army, as you say, I was a, I was a warrant officer, reserve brigade, catering warrant officer, and 2005, I'd finished. Uh, I got a job probably a couple of days after leaving uh, the army. I went straight into a job, worked away there, and, you know, you miss the military, the lifestyle, the the, the whole thing. So not, not that you were panicking about employment or anything like that, just... Sometimes you missed it. And when the opportunity, one of my friends was working in, in uh, Baghdad in Camp Shield for a company uh, and they had lost the contract to Sabre and Torres. So then I got a call from my good friend who is a very good friend still to this day. Uh, and the opportunity came up for the life report manager at Fob Shield with uh, the company. So I did not hesitate and I Three days after accepting a phone call, I was in Baghdad working. Wow. <laughs> so it happened yeah. that quick? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I, I, I got to Baghdad and then asked for a bit of uh, leave from the company I was working for in, uh, in Northern Ireland. I live in Northern Ireland, although I'm Scottish. Uh, I said, look, I, I'm going to take a week off and... I've, you know, to see how things pan out. If, if the job wasn't good enough, then I could have went back to my old job. But it, it was very good, so I resigned then. A week hmm. later. Okay, so you're of Scottish descent then? I, I'm a tricky one. My, I was born in, in Glasgow. My parents were born in Glasgow. Uh, my grandparents are, are Irish, but we lived in we we grew up in Scotland. They moved to Scotland earlier on. Uh, and as, as it transpired, when I finished in the army, I married an Irish lady. Hmm. Uh, and I live in Ireland now. Up okay. North. 
but you were in the British Army. So I got to ask you, because I'm sure I'm not the only one that's that's, that's wondering about this. Um, at the time when you got in the army, I mean, there were there were some uh, what's the word I'm looking for tension between the the people on land and the people on the islands, right? I mean, the the Irish well, the, and, yeah, and the Brits yeah, were going at it, right? Uh, well, it, it was Northern Ireland. Uh, it was down to the Catholic Protestant thing. Uh, when I joined way back in 1981, 82, uh, it, yeah, it, it, as I say, it was it was it was a, it was a religious thing. Mm. And it went on for a long, long time until the Good Friday Agreement, and then we got some sort of peace and stability. But you know, it's not as bad now as it used to be. Uh, but that, when the six counties got the uh, split from the rest of Ireland, Ireland got their independence uh, from uh, Great Britain and become a diff- come, become their own country again. Then the Northern Ireland stayed with the UK, so they're part of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Uh, there was there was tension and and Northern Ireland was a small place, but it was on the news regular bombing, shootings and stuff. It's not like that now. I have to add, uh, it was just then the British Army went in to to be peacekeepers to to separate things and it just got quickly out of hand and then and it escalated for a number of years and it was ongoing very very much. Uh, and thankfully, the, we had the Good Friday Agreement and. Things have settled down, although it's not fully gone away, but it, it's not as bad as it was in the old cowboy days. <laughs> I remember those times. It was in the news a yeah. lot. But the reason yeah. I asked that and brought it up was because I'm curious to know, did that cause any – apparently it didn't, but I would have thought it would have caused problems with the British Army bringing on somebody from that part of the world with with, with what was going on. But apparently that wasn't an issue for the British no, it, it was wholly a, a, a religious thing. So we, we have regiments in, in from Northern Ireland, and indeed a lot of the, the people in these regiments were from South of Ireland. Uh, so they, they had no problem with it. It's just the people outside had the problem. The British Army certainly didn't really have a problem. You'd have mm. some small incidents, but nothing more than that. Mm. Uh, but most of these incidents uh, revolved around football. <laughs> Okay, and, and you know, and there's been a number of movies over the years, decades actually, uh, where they either portrayed that conflict, for lack of a better term. Um, and and I, I just want to ask you, just real quickly, if you've watched any of the movies that portrayed that, and if you think any of them portrayed it accurately, I they get a bit of. Uh poetic license to, to to create drama <laughs> some some yes and some no it, it's just it, it depends yeah well i was I just curious because I'm, I'm basically an outsider i mean you know i grew up you know and that stuff was in the news and yeah. we heard what we heard um i was never really close to it um never really had a, uh, a lengthy discussion with anybody about it so you know i've never uh we know what we know which uh, if we're not Irish or Scottish or British at that time, we probably don't know very much other than what's been portrayed a lot in the movies. You know, and, and I'm fond of saying that Hollywood frequently gets it incorrect when it comes to movies portraying stuff over there um, around the world, especially in the Middle East. 
So I was just mm. curious what your take was on on movies that portrayed those those things. Um, but you know, that, and that's fine. You answered that. Um, so you spent 24 years in the army. So you now you got out in what year uh, did you get out in the army then? 2005. Okay, 2005. So what did you do between that time and the time you got on contract in Iraq? Uh, first job I got was a business development manager for a, a catering equipment company, building building kitchens, that, like defects and things like that, and putting in the equipment, doing the specifications and stuff. It wasn't a, it wasn't a huge company, but it, you know I worked there for a, maybe a year and a half, two years. Uh, then I moved to I was again business development and production manager of, of a poultry processing company and in, in, in the same place where I'd got the first job uh, same same area sorry uh, and I spent a while there and that's when I got a phone call to, to go to uh, Iraq in 2009 mm. so I'd done a, a couple of years in each of them uh, and got itchy feet and and drove off back to Arawita, right? Sorry. <laughs> so, so was this a natural fit for you coming out of the military? Yeah, I, I believe so. When I when I went back, when I first took the job uh, as life support, you know, it was run like a military camp, and these days, and and these days, uh, you know, the old security companies were all full of ex forces, uh, American, South African, British. Uh, and every company had them with a, some policemen as well involved in it. So it was very much run in a military fashion. And, and the old the old British Army, the American Army, had the, like, the accommodation was like billeting and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so it was, it was pretty easy to get into it, if that makes sense. You know, and then having defects and, and all the rest of the, the state which I eventually run, uh, was just, yeah, just part of what we've done in, in the Army. Hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so it was not only a natural fit for you, but, I mean, uh, so much of a natural fit that you stayed with it. You're still with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I, 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 done, I went from, I, done, I was in Syria for a while as well, and uh, that was a bit different. Uh, I done, uh, then I, I went to Bahrain, which... And I sort of the new naval base in Bahrain for the, the Royal Navy, British Royal Navy, which is a good experience. I stayed there for 18 months hmm. and came back to Iraq. Uh, I got a good job offer, good terms and conditions and uh, better time, better uh, time at home and stuff. Uh, so I took the job and left. Now, you mentioned Syria. So we're talking uh, Syria at the time uh, during the Obama administration, correct? Yeah. 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 Then I, yeah. So uh, for the folks that haven't been there, that haven't worked there, and but still remember uh, some of the what was put out in the media, from a, from a perspective of the guy who was there on the ground, uh, to the extent you can or are willing to, can you tell us what it was like for you? Uh, what was your experience there in Syria and how – that experience differed from your experiences in other countries. Syria was, it was totally different and from from everything. We we got there. I worked for a large American company, and we had we had 
one location and then a second location was just coming on. And when I came on board and basically there, were, there was about five people in this location uh, set up. Uh, we, had a, we had a chef and a few other uh, bits and pieces. And slowly we started to build a whole camp. This was a place called Tabka. Uh, and this was while everything else was going out. We, it was sort of, we were doing demining. So we, we had a mixture of South African guys, uh, British, a lot of British. There was no Americans. Uh, hmm. and But it was an American company. It was just all British boots on the ground. Interesting. It, yeah, it was different. It was very basic, to be fair, Scott. It, it, was, it was basic. We had no fence. We had no, 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 no ditches, no nothing. Hmm. Any protection. Uh, we uh, we didn't have any personal weapons either. The, 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 uh, the guys we had a guard, some guard. Uh, they had weapons. It was the, the local guys. Uh, there was a lot of things going on, but never really affected us. We, we got visits dropping in from the, the American uh, guys that was in the country at the time. Now and again, to get a bit of feed. Get a bit of uh, had a little barbecue on a Thursday for them, and that kind of thing. But then the, the camp grew and grew until we got we got bigger and bigger, as a, a, like it was in, in Iraq. But when I first mm. went there, didn't have the luxury of all the all the the security like we did in our place. You know, you can mm. drive in that gate, and you know you you were a lot safer. And but it, it was nothing like that. It was just desert, and we were right next to Raqqa. You can hear everything. Mm. Uh, you know, just along the road of it. Yeah, it was it was different. It was a different experience. <laughs> did, so I got to ask you then. Uh, it, it might sound weird, but did you enjoy that time there? Did you do you look back on it with fond memories? Absolutely, all of them. I've had good memories from. Uh, yeah, we had a good crew. It was a good gang of people there, and uh, yeah, definitely. Mm. Definitely good time. So. When you left, how much, how much had things changed between the time you arrived and the time you left? What were things? What was there a demonstrable difference, or was it just huge? Yeah, it was huge. The company made uh, huge strides. They rebuilt. They took over a building that was it was derelict. Rebuilt a defect and everything inside it. Uh, they built accommodation. Brought in. Loads and loads of uh, porter cabins and stuff like that, and really, really did make a big difference. It, it become a huge big camp, hmm. but and and quickly as well. They've done very well, I thought. So it, now, to your knowledge, is that camp and other places like it that that maybe came up? Are they still there? Are they still operating? I uh, I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. Well, I just, you know, I mean, so much has, has been in the news that hasn't been in the news. It seems like that part of the world has kind of lost its focus. And, you know, we occasionally hear stuff uh, through the grapevine, but um, it just kind of like went away. But so yours was a when you were there, your your position, you guys were there for what? Logistics and life support? Life support, logistics. But uh, and then the other guys were all demining, the demining guys. OK, right. Yeah, OK. Yeah. So for the folks that are listening, because th- those terms have come up before, uh, what is life support versus logistics? How do they differ? How are they? How are they the same? Well, life support is as the whole the whole end to end. I was life support and logistics, so 
I looked after everything. Like in Shield, I was life support and logistics. That I had the, I looked after the accommodations. I looked after the welfare. I looked after, got all the unif- all the stores that came under me as well, and and procurement. I done a lot of procurement for Torres mm. and uh, not so much Saber, but mainly Torres when they went their own way and it, we got our license and stuff. And we had to stand up. Gary Owen, if you can remember. Uh, I mean, we were out buying weapons and stuff, and uh, that was a, a sort of an experience. Uh, we, huh. we didn't have to buy so much transport. That was already in place by Saber. They had to, Saber had the, the infrastructure, to be fair. Everything was there, uh, and I just looked after it. Hmm. So the light support side of it is looking after the people, and the, the logistics is providing them the stuff to uh, do their jobs. Like we had, we had so four or five hundred guards uh, in Fob Shield alone. Well, were there that many? I knew there were a lot. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't realize there were that many. Wow. Yeah, we, well, we had two shifts uh, and with some off and stuff. And we had quite a lot of expats. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> we did. Uh, although, you know, and maybe, you know, I probably didn't see as much as you and some of the other people did because I tend to stay pretty focused on where I was. Um, yeah. And when I was done, uh, you know, I either went to the gym, I might get something to eat and went back to my, my room, um, you know, uh, you know, I kept my 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 friends pretty tight, you know, uh, you and some other guys, you know. But, I mean, I didn't venture out a whole lot, check things yeah. out, you know. Uh, so you were the guy that was behind the scenes doing all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, mainly, yeah. Okay. So, it, so your job as life support and logistics is way bigger and perhaps arguably more important than a lot of people give it credit for. Uh, yeah. There's a lot involved, actually, and, and but it's not just me as a pe- one person. There's a lot. It's a huge team. You have we had our cooks, our laundry, our, our gyms, all that kind of stuff. All comes together under the one umbrella, so to speak. Just like your quartermaster's department in, in the army, hmm. and those guys who do your billeting, do your 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 laundry, they do your, your do your cooking, all that kind of thing. Uh, and it's just one big team. Interesting. We had, we had quite a we had quite a lot of staff. Uh, I think. Around about seventy. Hmm. But it was a big camp. Fob Shield was very big. You know, it probably was bigger than 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 I even remember. I do remember getting out and you know, I I did walk around and drive around a few times. But and I yeah. remember work and a few times it was like, oh wow, this is bigger than I thought. Um, but still, in my perspective, it was still relatively small compared to a lot of other camps. Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean. The victory base and that was huge you, you know other camps were massive compared to this but this was right next to the if you can remember the ministry of interior yep uh, and and there was a lot of outside noise you could hear yeah. quite a lot. <laughs> there was uh, I, and the first uh i only arrived there in the first week and we were we were supposed to take over stand up the camp from eodt and it wasn't happening. The mm. the contract also wouldn't let us take over. So we had we were outside in the red zone and set up uh, like a, a small camp for ourselves to live in. Huh. Uh, and I think we got mortared on, on New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve and some mortars came in. Okay. A bit, our guys were all trying under the huts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, they, but 
these guys had come from Sierra Leone. They were used to a bit of war and stuff anyway. So. Right. Yeah, and but I think we were a bit exposed out there. Uh, yeah. And we eventually got into the camp and dismantled the the, the temporary camp and moved away. Okay. So <clears throat> that was so you were at Fob Shield um, for. Wow. Well, you were there when I arrived. I remember that. Yeah, I've been a few years. Had you been there that long? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. And you were there after I left, too, as I recall. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. So you, so that's amazing. So for the folks that are listening, a lot of these things that we enjoy um, as contractors on a camp or a base is the direct result of the efforts that people like you put in because the military is really only providing us the authority to do this and that, right? Yeah. yeah They're not course. really providing us this equipment and this gear. That's coming from people like you. Yeah. That's being paid for by yes. the company, correct? But, yeah, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. You know, and, but it's like everything you can't do it alone. There's, you, there's a team behind you. Uh, and we had a good team at Fob Shield. We didn't. We just, you know, yeah. Of course, there was a lot of guys, and they're doing a lot of hard work behind the, behind the scenes that people don't notice or, or appreciate until later on they think about it and say, well, how did this happen? There's, there's <laughs> a lot of people doing it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you you mentioned uh, the the guys from Sierra Leone. We had uh, people there from Sierra Leone and I want to say Uganda as well. But it yeah, was, yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, and some of those guys were pretty squared away. Uh, what was your, you know, while we're on that topic, uh, you, what's your recollection of your experience with them as a whole? Was it pretty good? Yeah, we had a few incidents with them, like you do with everybody, every uh, gang of you know, guys getting together and and and, and doing a job. The, the uh, I, I believe they went to strike a couple of times. The few, but that they had a fair grievances, and to be fair, Saber and Torres got together and resolved the grievances and, and gave them what they needed and what they wanted. Mm. Uh, there were some casualties along the way, but that's that happens everywhere. You get the the one that doesn't know when to stop shouting, and the ones that don't say enough. Uh, yeah, and we we moved on quite quickly from that. We had a few sessions, a few incidents, but to say. Torres, Saber came in, dealt with it, and that, that was at the start, but then luckily Torres dealt with it pretty hmm. well, and, you know, yeah, and that was it. That's interesting, yeah, because there was a time when Saber and Torres, I do remember them talking about being a joint venture. Um, they, were, they were together when I first arrived, yeah, and then then they split up. Uh, Torres, oh. I think, had the manpower, the, the, the expat manpower, apart from me, I was the only... Sabre guy in in the group hmm. uh, working for Sabre uh, and Torres at the same time, but then the, uh, Jerry Torres came out and visited and people other people. Uh, I think the relationship became a bit soured. I don't know the the politics of it, hmm. but uh, yeah, and same Torres went their own way, and I okay. remained with Torres, uh, and you know. I, as I had worked for Sabre, there was no bad blood between me or Sabre. They, they just thought I had to stay there anyway because I was the only one that knew how to run that camp. And, you know, I'd been there for so many years. Uh, yeah, I started a great relationship with Sabre uh, and Torres. 
Right now, I remember uh, going to the uh, Saber camp there in the IZ. I went there a couple of times and uh, spent yeah. some time there. And now, let me just step back a half step real quick. So Torres was and still is an American-based, American-owned company, correct? Yeah. Whereas yeah. Saber is or was English or British? British, British. British. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I and and I remember visiting their camp there in the IZ a couple of times and. You know, um, yeah, I mean, I was treated pretty well there. I got to say, I was yeah. really surprised. Well, that's where they, they put guests and stuff, uh, clients. It was like a, a hotel. You know, yeah. we had yeah. we had defac, we had two defacts there as well, one for the clients and one for, for the, our manpower transiting through and stuff. And, you know, they would they would have nights, they would, they would invite you to come down and visit, you know, every so often and... and you know, you know, let your hair down a bit, and then go back to the the grind the next day. Yeah, that, I thought it were pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. I remember one of those nights when I was there. They invited me to. They were having some special people that they had invited. I don't know if you want to call yeah. them VIPs or whatever, but they had yeah, a big, yeah. uh, for lack of a term, an outdoor uh, f- uh, festive food yeah. party in that green area uh, that was uh, between the building and and the and the wall. Uh, yeah. And uh, I guess it was pretty cool with uh, like like fire lamps, torch lamps. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know that and a bar is like wow. I mean, but it seemed like uh, there probably were some frauds there, but for the most part, it seemed like everybody was pretty genuine. Everybody was pretty open and friendly, yeah. and and uh, they just wanted to you know socialize, get along, and have fun. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, the work was hard at times, but they, then. That was a way of escaping it for a few hours and getting in, get back to work next day again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they were good. They were. I get treated well by Saber. Uh, all the guys at Saber and 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 indeed Torres. Hmm. Yeah. No. I I've got no. Um, uh, you know, there's a few blokes here and there, but for the most part, I was. You know, that's interesting you bring that up because uh, that comes up frequently, and it's like you know. There was maybe one company, arguably a second, where I maybe had some issues, but for the most part, I I got along and got treated pretty well by most companies and most management. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know if you just squirt away, keep your head down, do your job, um, I think that's pretty much the way it is. I think it's only the guys that want to cause waves and rock the boat. And some of these guys only go there to cause waves and rock the boat. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of us just get the job done and and yeah. And go on. Right. That, that's the only thing you can do. <laughs> but you know, a lot of a lot of the guys, obviously, the, all the, the Torres people were uh, American. Apart, apart from one guy, ah, this, I just remember one one American guy came through, and and he was actually Scottish from from Glasgow, same place as me. He was in the, huh. the army with me in the early days. He had he had went to America and got uh, his American passport and everything. So, but he spoke pure Scottish. Okay. <laughs> that was a bit strange hearing the Scottish voice coming from the, the American side. Right. You, but, probably, but I still I still keep in contact with a lot of these guys. Huh. From from Torres, including yourself. Right. Yeah. No, we've managed to stay to get. Uh, um, stay in touch over the years. Uh, and when you think about all the stuff that goes into life, it's pretty amazing. But, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? 
you know, we occasionally, maybe more often than occasionally work with guys, come across guys that, you know, you just click, you know, yeah. and maybe you don't yeah. get to spend as much time together as you'd like to while you're in country, but you remember each other and you want to yeah. stay in touch. You yeah. Know? I, I went to the States. I visited some people as well, actually. Uh, and they reciprocated. They came to the UK. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I'd love to. My wife, uh, and I won't give away any details, but she is, I think this year, maybe, yeah, I think it's this year, uh, she's got a travel club thing planned. And one of her stops, two of her stops, actually, are Ireland, Scotland, and 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 then, of course, stuff in the UK and, and other places. And she's going to spend several days in Ireland and Scotland. I said, no kidding. I said, all right. You know, and I'd love to go with her, but and I won't go into it. But you and I have talked offline why <laughs> I won't get on an airplane and, uh, you know, why I won't go into certain areas. But um, but that's just me. Um, but, uh, man, I would love to. But my wife did say, and I forget what it is, there's some distillery there. I don't remember if it's Scotland or Ireland. Bush Mills. Maybe. She said she said she's already said she's going to get me one of those expensive bottles and bring it back. I said, woohoo. <laughs> uh, it's probably it's probably Bush Mills in Ireland, not in Ireland. There's Maybe a she, of, there's a lot of distilleries in Scotland. Yeah, every house has got its own distillery. <laughs> yeah. It, she mentioned the name of it. I don't recall. It's some famous place. And she was talking about bringing back a big bottle of scotch. And, right. and Yeah. So anyway, I just. Yeah. Um, you know, so I tell her, you know, when she's going to places, I said, well, tell me where you're going. I might know someone out there that can kind of keep tabs on you if you guys get off the beaten path. <laughs> you know, because uh, I'm fond of telling her, I said, you know, uh, the world is a big, scary place. And I and I, I think there's too much Hollywood La La Land going on in a lot of people's lives when they travel. Uh, yeah. they're, not, they're not paying attention. You know, speaking yeah. of which. So now. So you so you were there um, in Baghdad. Fob Shield. Uh, that that wrapped up. You moved on. Where did you go from there? Uh, I then, for a while, had my own company, me and a, an American guy, a security company, and uh, also a logistics company. And we based primarily in, in Dubai, uh, but we've done a little bit here and there, but we've done some in, in, uh, in Kenya. Uh, and some in the Philippines, we've done a few trips to the Philippines. We put a lot, put a lot of effort and a lot of stuff into it. But at that particular time, that there was a shift in the policies in in the Middle East uh, with all the, uh, you know, like Sabre, where they had the main contracts, but then it had to become American as the lead company. So mm-hmm. we were getting stifled out of the work by the bigger companies, and and we were competing. And we were actually spending a lot more money than we sh- we should have to, to try and compete with them. You know, we done a lot of I done a lot of bids and a lot of con- uh, paperwork contracts put together for Sudan and places like that, only to be to lose it, and and then find out later that they'd actually used their paperwork and their hard work and and got somebody cheaper. That's mm. it's disheartening. But we we had about three years at it, good three years. Yeah, I, was gonna uh, say, that was, I think I remember that. It was, what, 2014, 15, 16, yeah, something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. 2018, 
I, I went, I was, I finished up in the Philippines. No, I didn't. 2017, I'm a liar. I come back. So I took a job 2018. Uh, I worked, I went to, I don't know, like project management. Uh, and then I, done, I become a scrum master for a, a large company down in the south of England uh, called Aviva. They're pretty much an insurance company worldwide. Uh, and I was a scrum that. master there. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge company. Yeah, uh, okay. And I worked at a place called Norwich. Very good. They were good to the staff. But after after a year, after a year, I think it was a year and a couple of months, maybe maybe less, I don't know. And I got the phone call and I got the itchy feet again and that was me, gone, back to Syria. Wow. Okay. Man, so um, I got to ask you, what I I know I've heard the term Scrum Master. I know for sure only one other person that has that that title. What is a scrum master? He tried to explain it to me one time, and I think he did, but it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult. It, well, because well, I, it's mainly a scrum master is the guy that gets the 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 team together. Everybody has it's, they build software, and they build platform, you know, different platforms. You got your designers, your 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 uh, all this stuff. They all come together. All these guys with the brains and and then a scrum master, and it, I thought it was it was it was it was what am I trying to say? It was because of the military background that we have. I think we fitted in with the role of scrum master pretty well. It, we were mainly facilitating them. So although you know these guys, we we got the team together. You had you had them all sitting, and some of them were in different countries. I had some in Scotland, some in India. And some in the very building that I was working on, but on a different floor. So every day you get the phone and say ten o'clock was my time. Ten o'clock to ten past. Ten minutes to to get through your whole team. Uh, okay, Scott, what what job are you working on? I'm working on. We were actually doing uh, no claims discount was getting all, all changed because of the law in the UK. And we were working on that. So that had to get, you know, develop the software to push it through so that clients could go online, book what they wanted, they would give them the no claims discount, and then all this stuff, you know, go through the whole rigmarole. But these guys were designing it. Now, I would get them and, and sit on, my, on the phone to them on the screen, and I would have a Jira board, which is where all the jobs you know, it's, it's difficult. To explain. I won't explain the technicalities of it because some of them I don't even know. <laughs> it, this guy's got job job number, blah blah, and it moves across the board till it goes into uh, testing, testing, and then into production, and then it comes off your board. And that's that's and that's very much safe. You get five or six people, all the jobs. They, some people can have nine, ten jobs, but you only move. They can only move one or two at a time, depending on the team at the back so okay why have you stopped working well I can't move this forward because of this this and this so my job then was to finish after the phone after the phone call take my up use all my notes and then go and try and untangle why this guy was stuck so I would phone someone across in the other building you need to get this move so he can move forward in his job and and I'm trying to simplify it it, it was just that's all it was just it was down to me to to free up him 
to get moving on his work again, to keep the whole team on, on course, to get it over the line at the set time that we were given to complete the project. Hmm. So is it similar to, say, a producer or a project manager? Yeah, similar. The only thing, well, project manager, you're, you're responsible for the finances and everything else, whereas on this role, the scrum master had never touched finances, never had to do all that stuff. We had to do our, our, our events, like our meetings, and tell them, where do you think we went wrong with this? Where do you think we went wrong with this? How can we move forward on this for our next sprint? It was called sprint, so we had a sprint uh, that would last so many days, and then when that sprint ended, we'd go into our, our sequences, you know, our, our, our events, like uh, tell them where we, you know, discuss the business, where where we could do, where we could sharpen up, and did these, did we get it over the line, or do we have to still wait for the next sprint? Because sometimes you didn't get all the jobs over the line, so they came into our next sprint, and some jobs were, were lengthy enough to last maybe two or three sprints anyway, so it was all it was all linked uh, and it was similar to project manager but we had a project manager as well mm. uh, that would look after finances budgets and all that stuff whereas that 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 was nothing to do with me uh, i would just be on the phone trying to fix things get the team together and then do the events for them ex- explain everything interesting so uh, now but scrum master too uh, i want to say in and you can uh, elaborate or and correct me where I might be incorrect. But Scrum Master, you actually, that's a certification. You have to take some training or for that. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a qualification for it. And, yeah, you just do the, it's a, it's a Scrum Master's course, basically. And then okay. you can do, you can do your, uh, your Agile and all that stuff from it. it yeah. No. I got to, and I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but would you say it, it's valuable? It's worth, it was worth pursuing. Is it, is it a worthy? A scrum master. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, okay. It, it's become a thing now. Uh, it's become a, it's becoming bigger and bigger and there's jobs all over the world that pay good money. Scrum masters get good, good money. Huh. Okay. Very, very high salary. And I mean, they're screaming for them all over, even in Dubai, Abu Dhabi, everywhere's looking for scrum masters. Interesting. I know I've seen that uh, more frequently as the years have gone on. And I think prior to the first time I actually heard that somebody I knew was going to go for that, I think I'd maybe heard it a few times, just a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it's amazing how quickly that has grown in a relatively short few years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's all down to the, uh, what do you call it? The, Software, building software. Hmm. That's what it's all from. Interesting. Uh, very interesting job. Uh, and when I went for the interview, Scott, I got interviewed, interviewed by two ladies, One, both of them project managers. Now, I, I was project manager qualifications as well. And and they were talking about the software and the jobs and stuff. Uh, and the no claims discount and all this stuff. And I thought, I said, look, to be fair, I really don't have an idea of this the software and stuff you're talking about and the lady says look we're not hiring you for your knowledge of software we're hiring you for your management skills Mm. and that's what it came down to and I said well you have a point I don't need to know what they're talking about well I do it's it's good to have a basic knowledge (laughs) but but I don't need to know the technicalities of it uh, because you always had an expert sitting next to you who's doing it anyway Okay. all all I had to do was get them together Get the 
move the jobs on and keep it going at a, a timely pace. And and that was it. Okay. More, it was like it was similar to a facilitator. Okay. Sure, sure. Well, and that harkens back to um, you know your your work in in logistics and life support, where a good leader, um, it's good if they have a, a solid base. You know that they started at the bottom, worked their way up, but they don't need to be versed and proficient in everything because Absolutely. what they have to be good at is leading and directing and and yeah. control isn't quite the right word, but you know controlling all the moving pieces and make sure that everything gets done when it's supposed to the way it's supposed to. Absolutely, and, re- and relying on the people that are working for you to do it properly, correct? Yeah, yeah, because okay. you, you you don't have the same. Uh, base knowledge as these guys do that's they have to do it for you right uh, but you're only there as i said like it's exactly as you described it we're there to get it over the line to make sure it comes in and we just manage them we we yeah, we talk to them and do things like that and then and we speak to the where is the blockage unblock the blockage and move move the jobs on again okay uh, very interesting you know and it's a great company to work for, uh, very people oriented. But yeah, and I was—I actually got the job when I finished in the Philippines. I get actually got an, an accident. I got hit with a truck, so I had to come home. Uh, and then I went to the the job interview and got this job, uh, first interview I got actually. But it was a company called FDM, and I think they're they're in America as well. And it's X forces, and they'll take you. They'll take you for so many weeks training. They'll give you training for project management uh, for for like senior ranks mainly, but the younger guys can do pro, uh, do software and all that kind of stuff, and all, and all the courses and Excel's and all that stuff. And then you, they guarantee you two years employment. Mm. So you you go straight to a job. People come to the academy where where I was in Glasgow. Uh, and they'll come, they'll, they'll interview a few people, and and people are leaving. I mean, I left before my I never, my time wasn't even up. I didn't, I never done the full fourteen weeks training or anything. I, I was gone in six weeks and away at a job, and wow. it happens quite regularly. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys going to do it, and it was it was it was for young like students uh, just looking, you know, into, into the, the industry and ex forces. Okay. Which was a good mix because, yeah, I mean, obviously you could tell all the ex forces guys were all the older guys, and they were doing the project management side of it, whereas the young cats were doing uh, business kind of thing. Okay. Now, and you said the company was FDM. 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 Yeah. Well, um, let me uh, while we're talking about, it, let me type that down because you know during this show, uh, one of the things that keeps coming up is uh, resources for guys and gals that are either contracting and want to get out. Or for whatever reason, they want to do something different, but they don't know where to go. Where can I find the information? What can I do? How can I find out the information on the process? So let me type that down, FDM. So FDM. We'll, we'll follow yeah. up on that a little bit later. But um, to your knowledge, FDM is a British company? No, no, I think it's an American guy, but his wife is from Glasgow. So Okay. But they're in the UK. I, I joined them in the UK, and, and we got this, the jobs that they, they can get you into. I mean, you, you're going to to work in 
Barclays Bank, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, as huh. I say, I went to Aviva, Norwich, a uh, massive place. And uh, yeah, there's, they'll guarantee you two years' employment. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, you'll work for them for two years, and then you can go freelance. You know, okay. they can still get you work, uh, and you'll get a bigger a bigger salary, basically. You know, and the salary I got, it wasn't to be scoffed at. It, it was not bad at all. And that was okay. really just, just for the, the, the training side of it. Uh, the training side, you don't get a lot of money, but when you get to your job, you, you'll get a decent salary. Okay. And FDM, now, uh, do you know how people can find out about them? Or Yeah, just, just Google FDM. Uh, I'll, once we go offline, I'll send you a message with, with a link to it. I don't know about the American side of it, but they, they do so much. There's, there's so much. Then you, it's uh, as I say, it's the the X forces part of it's huge now, huge. Hmm. Okay. I know a lot of my friends have used it and, and went to, to good jobs from there. That's great to know. Um, so moving on here now, you are you that incident you spoke of when you were in the Philippines, you got hit by that truck. I remember uh, or that accident you had. Uh, yeah. I, I remember that time frame, and we were talking about it, and I was like, what? And you were in a yeah. cast, weren't you? I mean, you I, were well, banged yeah, up pretty I took, bad. I took the cast off to go for the job interview. <laughs> and, yeah, and thankfully I got the job. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And, and uh did you suffer as a result of taking that cast off? I mean, no, no. no? Well, when I went to, I had been probably about nine, ten, 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 twelve weeks uh, after it, and I was recovering. I had uh, the the uh, the tire or the wheel, sorry, had run over my my foot. Uh, it was quite a bit of damage. My face was my face healed up quite quickly, so. When I went back home, I was, I thought I need to go. I went straight to the hospital the next day, uh, and she says, "My God, you, what happened?" I told her what happened. She says, "You," she she gave me X-rays. She says, "You, a lot of damage has been done. You've it's already started healing." She says, "But your leg's broken three places. Your 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 wrist is broken. You get you had two broken ribs that are healing." Uh, Damage to my left arm and my right, uh, sorry, my left leg. And so they put the plaster on my right leg because that was the one that was, it hadn't healed up. But she said, you get so many small bones in your hand that had already healed. And my foot, where it, it, it drove over the top of me. Wow. Uh, that healed up. So, but then, I mean, I, I was there. I had to go, started doing physio. To, to get my leg better and stuff, uh, but then I thought I took the opportunity to go to FDM, and as I said, I took the, the plaster off to go for the interview for the job, and I got the job. So, I, and they, actually, it was pretty quickly with them as well. I I'd done the interview on the Thursday, and they wanted me to start on the Friday. I said, "Fucking, I have no clothes with me or nothing. I need to go back home to Scotland." So I went home, and then come back on the Tuesday. It was pretty quick. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So have they been instrumental or and or helpful to you since? The people, in, yeah, they, they would be. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, I left and got a better job. I went to Syria. Uh, but I think 
I, I could quite. I mean, I speak to some of them now. Uh, Billy King and I, I speak to them back at the. the they've got like academies all over the UK and Glasgow, mm. Sheffield, London. They've got them all over, so it's it's a pretty good route for ex forces guys. Even if they've been work, I mean, I've been working for years and went to them, and and got a great job from. Them. Mm. Uh, wow. And, yeah, I I found it good. I found it, you know. When you do think things are not going well for you and you're struggling a little bit, like I was in, in the Philippines, I, I went through about quite a bit of money with, with my own uh, company and stuff, and I thought enough, enough, I need to pull the plug. Uh, and I went and I, I went, got the strength of the job. Hmm. Man, that is so good to hear because you know there's so many guys I talk with. You probably have similar conversations where it's like they are, they're struggling and they don't know what to do or where to turn and. Uh, you know, so what you're talking about can be a real breath of fresh air for guys. Absolutely, and and the people that work in the, these academies, the ones that I met anyway, are very good. Plenty mm. of advice, help you with your CVs, help you with everything, and mm. they want you to get a job. They, 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 you know, it's their business is is to make money from you getting a job. So you get the job, and it's a win-win situation for you and them. You know, okay. and they do guarantee you two years. And after that, then you're a free agent. You can you can go freelance. You can stay with them. You can go anywhere you want. Hmm. And you can always go back if you if you need or want. Yeah. Right? I, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's nice. So I'll, I'll uh, give, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll give you the contact details of of the guys when I when I finish. Sure. Excellent. So let me ask. So you you now have been working for a time in uh, southern Iraq, correct? Yeah, in Basra. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I, I don't want to put stuff out there that <laughs> maybe you don't want put out there. So that's why I was a little reticent. But uh, so you've been there for a time. So uh, tell us what you're doing there and uh, wh- what it's like down there now. It's yeah, it, it's not it's not as bad as the old days, to be fair. But there's still there's still an undercurrent. Not not so bad at all. Uh, you get the odd odd thing here. Very few and far between. I don't want to tempt fate, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just bits and pieces. Not nothing like we, we used to get in the old days. Things have moved on quite a bit, and hmm. and because we're we're in the oil and gas industry, it's it's a bit different. Although we still have all security. I mean, this is like a yeah, it's a large compound, but we have security. We have security companies uh, to look after us. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the, uh, the the relationships there, and we both know, and we're not the only ones who know this, but how important relationships can be uh, outside the, well, anywhere, really, but especially when you're working in environments like that, uh, the personal relationships you develop with people from uh, other countries, and, and you've developed uh, a number of those with people there, both at the corporate level and, and, and elsewhere. Um, can you... And we've talked about, you know, your workings with the uh, the locals. I mean, how important is that? The, the relationships you're able to establish with people to get things done and, and keep turmoil to a minimal? I think it's vital. I think it's vital for the whole operation. If you want to work and do a good job and you don't have the support of the locals, you ain't going to get a good job done because <laughs> the, you, these guys won't support you either if you don't, you know, you, there has to but they have to understand, and they do understand, to be fair, that you're the boss. 
and they'll, they'll back you up. But as long as you don't step over that line of starting, you know, you, nobody likes being shouted at and all this stuff. This, this is all right. in the old days. We don't we don't do that anymore, I don't think, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the relationship, you have to develop it. Uh, it's like all relationships. They're not going to, some you do, they work straight away. But you, they, when you arrive at a new place, there's a degree of mistrust that they don't know you. They don't know you're going to be a good guy or a bad guy. But so they, they're a bit reticent to step forward and put themselves in the firing line but, or, you know, or be seen by their friends to be a sneaky crawler and that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and because you've got so many different nationalities, the dynamics are different from them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you And because we've been in this situation for so many years, uh, we get used to it, and, you, and it's just a case of managing that. Uh, they have, you know, like I've got Africans, Asians, uh, and just different people. We just have to manage how their expectations, and that they're all different, as, mm. as we know. And, and and the locals are part of that. And we've got a lot of locals. We, they've got the biggest majority of my staff are locals. Mm. So you you you're you're well versed and experienced with working with people from other nationalities. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you would agree with me that, uh, yeah, there are some customary things that are different, societal things that are different. But basically, the core value is we're human. We all, as you said, or hearken to just treat them with some dignity and respect. Absolutely. You, you know, know, the thing is, Scott, these guys are, are doing exactly the same as you and me. They're working for the money to make sure the family get a better a better life than they had, you know, and uh, with the way the situation is in a lot of countries, it's, they're poor, and this is a good job for them, so mm. they, they'll work every day and night, they'll, they'll do that extra bit of work for you when you need it, but you, you have to step up and look after them when they need it too, you have to recognise the signs that, hey, I might be tired, hey, I might be juggling, struggling with stuff at home, and that's when you can you can be a better manager by stepping in and, and, and guiding them. Mm. Yeah. So pulling that, walking that extra mile and pulling that extra knot on the rope, uh, along with the, with, yeah. with the guys that you're directing and managing so that they know the boss is with us. Yeah. Cause they'll do it for you as long as they know. <laughs> you're with them. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. I would agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so your, your experiences, um, as a contractor and your other experiences in general, you enjoy the life you're you're leading now, correct? I mean, you wouldn't trade it for anything, pretty much. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's become uh, it's become the norm for me. It's part of my whole psyche and my whole makeup. Uh, I didn't think it would, but yeah, it, it's it's who it's probably who I am now. Uh, right. I've been at it so long. And uh, it's it's the bridge between leaving the military and going into another type of military. It's like it's like almost being institutionalized with without the bars. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, unless it's the right type of bar. So you know, we uh, I probably know the answer, but for the folks that are listening, uh, you're a married man. How does your wife? How does she? How does she look at it? How does she view it? Uh, does she tolerate it or does she enjoy it? She, she just, I don't know. It's got. It's hard to say. Some she she deals with it very well. Sometimes and then sometimes not as good. 
but <laughs> but you know, eighty to ninety percent, she's on board. She knows this is what I've done for years. She's she's used to being in the military with me, you know, mm. and and she herself was in the military. She was a corporal. Uh, so yeah, she's used to it, and my kids have grown up with that, traveling all around, going to new houses, and uh, me being away, and then being back home on their own. So you know, so they're they're used to it, and you know, who's going to pay for the new kitchen she wants next week? <laughs> it all boils down to practicality, doesn't it? That's it, man. <laughs> you know, you want to say, oh, we we need. We need a new car. Well, okay, I'll quit my job then. No, well, oh, you can go back. Right. You know, yeah. Right. <laughs> they, have, they have to make a noise now and again to just so right. they make you better. But deep down, it's, it's it serves a purpose for all of us, doesn't it, really? It does. Well, you know, my wife used to call it, and, and you probably have something similar, but she used to call it quality time because uh, when I was working, you know, quote-unquote, standard jobs here in the U.S., you know, it, it's the typical nine to five or whatever your hours are. You're gone eight, 10, 12 hours. Yeah, you're home every day, but you got a short bit of time before everybody needs to go to sleep and get up and go to work the next day. And then the weekend rolls around and that's when you get everything else done. There's really never any real quality time. But when yeah. I'm gone for a time, you know, and they say, what's that? You probably remember the the adage better than I do, that saying or adage about, you know, uh, distance makes the heart fond or something like that. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. There you go. And so when we come back and now, we've, now we're together again, it's that quality time because we got that 30 days or more of downtime. Yeah, absolutely. And whatever she's done, she's scheduled in advance and she just takes that time off from work and it's 30 days of just yeah. wonderful, wonderful downtime. So that quality time, would you yeah. say that that can oftentimes be – when you it's like what's this all for when you ever because i used to question myself why am i doing this what's it for it's like oh yeah that's right that's why yeah you have a fair point there because when you get back i mean if you do you're living together you you get in each other's nerves you go then <laughs> but at least when you're away it's not too long you come back apart from this covid thing then you come back and yeah, it's quality time. That's a nail on the head. We go on a holiday. We go on a family holiday, so that we all get something from that quality time, you know. And and I I've got a big family uh, in Scotland, so we all visit Scotland as well. We visit my brothers and sisters and stuff over there. Mm. Yeah, and then you know, and then look forward to the next time. Right. So is is there a place you've been? Uh, that you re- that you would really like to go back to, or are you at that place? Uh, working. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I I like Bahrain. Bahrain was good, but the the, the downside of Bahrain, I spent too much money there. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very social city, social city. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. We were spoiled a bit in Bahrain, and I like Bahrain. I, I, I don't know. I like here. I like. I like. I would like to go. I would probably go back to Baghdad. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. You know, speaking of which, um, 
you know, we probably need to put the wraps on this here before too long, because uh, as I mentioned to folks earlier, uh, you're you're in Iraq right now. And I'm looking at the clock and it's coming up on 11 p.m. there for you. Yeah. So, and yeah. you got to get go to work the next tomorrow. So yeah. um, so to kind of put the wraps on this, um, do you have a uh, first I want to I want to just get this out of the way. Um, I'd love to have you back again at some point in the future and do this again and cover down on all the things we, we didn't have time to do. Um, so with that, with that said, you know, would you be willing to come back and do this again at some point in the future? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Excellent. I enjoyed the little chat. <laughs> um, so with that, with that asked um, and, and answered, um, is there a takeaway, a golden nugget or, or word of words of wisdom you would like to leave folks with something for them to ponder and think about as we move forward in life? Yeah. I, and I know it makes sound of it silly but don't be afraid to take the chance and come and do these things don't be afraid and i don't mean fear of of, of any anything outside we have a i think we we're we're guided by a lot of constraints that we think what happens if it doesn't work and i, and I can't do the job and that shit no rubbish you you're going to you're going to settle to these jobs pretty quickly and if you don't like it you can go back home and do something else anyway just never be afraid. Take the chance. Come, try it. If you don't like it, go home. It's fine. But nine times out of ten, a lot of people come, try it, and stay. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fear. People fear the, the unknown. Right. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It, have a go. Try it. It's not for everybody, of course, but uh, you, if you're one of the guys it's not for, at least you've tried it. Uh, you'll always. We have a lot of guys, Scott, and you've probably come across them, yeah, I wanted to do it. I wanted to try this. And I want, well, get off your backside and try it. <laughs> if you don't like it, go back to what you were doing. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's that point. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid. Just go for it. Try it. Man, that's well, that's well spoken. Um, so for the folks that are listening, I want to say uh, thank you very much to uh, my guest, uh, Robert O'Dowd, for making time to share his experiences with us here on No Clinics the Contractor's Life. Uh, and I want to thank all of you, the Patriots and uh, the Warriors and others who have done their time in service to this great country and or their own country, wherever that was and however that was. Um, I want to thank you, the listening audience, for taking time out of your day to tune in and listen to this episode of Oconus the Contractor's Life, because without you, none of it really matters. Um, so that said, folks, remember that the grass is not always greener on the other side. Be careful what you wish for. Stay frosty, stay safe, and until next time, keep it real.